Yassis, and welcome to the Greece Travel Secrets podcast. Your host is the founder of the Greece Travel Secrets website, Sandy Pappas, and she's joined by a variety of guests covering all sorts of topics about visiting Greece and making the most of your Greek odyssey. Hello and welcome to episode six of the Greece Travel Secrets podcast. It's April in 2020 and we're living in very interesting times, very challenging times for most of us in the time of the coronavirus or the COVID-19 crisis that the whole world is going through. I hope that wherever you are, if you have been impacted, that it hasn't been too traumatic for you. And most importantly, that you and your loved ones are safe and well, which is the most important thing of all. Now, many of us, including me, have had to cancel our much anticipated and researched and and longed for trip to Greece this year. I guess worse things could happen to us. I know we've had mixed emotions about it and there's been times certainly when I've been cancelling my own bookings that I've found it really horribly depressing. But we will get through it and Greece will still be there and we will still get to visit it next year, possibly even later this year. That remains to be seen. Some of us will probably be more fortunate than others. In the meantime, though, there are ways that you can still experience the many wonderful elements that make Greece so unique and you can experience a lot of these things without leaving your home. So in this episode, I wanted to talk to you about how to do that. Now, I have a whole article on the website, it's fairly new, called How to Enjoy Greece from Home. So I will leave a link to that in the transcript for this podcast episode. But I am here today to just literally talk to you verbally about what those things are and how you can do them. The very first thing in the article is about reading books in Greece. Now, if you're like me, you're, you love books. I think um, for me, reading books is probably my second favourite thing after travelling. It's even a form of travelling to me. I mean, can escape into a different place, a different time, with different people doing different things, and it's as close to travelling as you'll physically get. So I love reading. I try and read a couple of books every month, all different genre, mostly fiction. And it just depends on what mood I'm in, I suppose, as to what sort of book I'm reading at the time. But there's some exceptionally good books about Greece. And a couple that I've read in the last few years were just absolutely amazing. So I really want to share those ones in particular with you. I have an article on the website called books set in Greece and it covers I think there's a dozen or so books some of them are very well known I mean hey the Iliad probably the most fascinating fact about this book which a lot of people don't know is that it was actually considered to be the first published book in western civilization so it's pretty significant it was written by Homer the famous Greek philosopher and writer and it's about the Trojan War so the tale of the mighty warrior Achilles, the 10-year Trojan War that took place on the, uh, the shores of Turkey. And it was followed up by the sequel, which is called The Odyssey. And that's about the famous general of the war, Odysseus, and his journey home from Troy, which took an additional 10 years due to various things that occur. 
and his quest to get back to his beloved island of Ithaca and his wife Penelope. So look, these books are very, very famous and have really helped to shape, um, you know, not just literature, but Greece and it's the Greek culture and many things that um, many of the that define Greek mythology. And if you're a fan of Greek mythology, you will have have to have read these or, or you want to. Look, they're written in the 8th century, so they're not easy to read. The, the language is pretty heavy, but they are really definitive and important books to read. Now, something a little bit lighter, um, there's a couple of other books that are quite well known when it comes to the Greek islands. One is called The Island by a British author called Victoria Hislop. That's about, there's an island off Crete called Spinalonga, used to be a leper colony, and it's about a, a girl's quest to find more out about her Greek heritage, which takes her back to Spinalonga. Another very famous book that I'm sure you've all heard of is Zorba the Greek. So it's not just a movie, a great movie starring Anthony Quinn, but before that, it was one of the great Greek classics and it's a story about friendship, about a man who goes to Greece and he becomes friends with a local character and I won't tell you much more than that because you really need to read it yourself and it's a good movie as I said to watch as well. There's some other you know great books, charming, very lovely. What about the book set in Corfu, My Family and Other Animals by Gerald Durrell. You may have heard of that too because it's also been made into not a movie but a really lovely TV series on the BBC which I would also highly recommend. It's very charming. It actually goes a little bit further than the books as TV series tend to do but it's all based on the true story of the Durrell family who moved to Corfu after the First World War and Gerald in particular has a very unusual childhood and it's a really great read. I actually read all three books. It's a trilogy whilst we were holidaying in Corfu um, a number of years ago and I you know, hold it dear to my heart I guess for that reason but I really highly recommend it. There's a number of other books that you'll have heard of possibly. You know, All the ones that I've recommended are in that article. I've loved every single one of them. But I think the one that I love the most is called Kirke. It's by Madeline Miller. Madeline also wrote an, another book that was very successful called The Song of Achilles. And it's excellent. But honestly, Kirke is just so good. I had no idea when I picked it up that it was, again, about Greek mythology, something I hadn't really been into. But the beauty of this book is that she's managed to really kind of normalise it. So even though Kirke herself is a goddess who's been banished to an island by her father, Helios, the sun god, but it's written in a way that all the things that happen to her on this island, where she has many visitors, several lovers, a variety of events that occur, but in a way that you can, I don't know, it's kind of relatable and just the feelings and the, you know, the relationships, I, you know, she, she just makes them come alive and I absolutely could not put that book down, so can't recommend that enough. So on to movies. I've already mentioned a couple of the great movies that um, have come from books. And again, on the website, I have a fairly new article called Movie Shot in Greece. 
Now, the ones I've already mentioned are quite famous. Zorba the Greek, of course. Anthony Quinn also went on to star in The Guns of Navarone, which was set on Rhodes. In more recent times, there was a great classic in the 80s called Shirley Valentine, shot on Mykonos. Not long after, there was a James Bond movie shot in Corfu and Meteora called For Your Eyes Only. And a little bit after that was Born Identity. Was um, Parts of that were shot in Mykonos, starring Matt Damon. A number of other movies as well, but probably the one that has been the most successful in recent years is Mamma Mia!, And of course, there's Mamma Mia 2 as well, but sadly it was not shot in Greece, it was shot in Croatia. But the first Mamma Mia movie, and by far the best one, if you ask me, was shot mostly on the islands of the Sporades, and in particular the church that's very iconic is on the beautiful island of Skopelos. And other film locations for it were on the Volos Peninsula near those islands. So it's a lot of fun. I mean, hey, Meryl Streep's in it. I don't think she's ever made a bad movie. There's some pretty bad singing from a couple of other people. But it's a it's a hoot. I, I enjoy watching it. I love Dabba. I love Grease. So perfect combination. Great holiday watching. So speaking of singing and music, that leads me to Greek music. When you're on the Greek islands, or in fact anywhere in Greece, it's impossible not to hear Greek music. It's playing almost all the time. You'll sometimes just hear old classics playing in the tavernas. But if you're lucky, you'll also come across guys sitting around playing their bazooki, maybe with a couple of friends, maybe a few guys are on a fiddle or some other instruments as well, singing a few of the old classic songs. And honestly, there's nothing better to come across that experience, especially when it's just some old fishermen or some local people just hanging out. So I've put together a playlist with a wide variety of Greek songs. Again, you'll find it on the website. There's a link to it. It's also on my Spotify playlist if you're following along on Spotify. It has a really wide range of music, some just purely the instrumental bazooki that I mentioned earlier, some old classics from people like Nana Muscuri, Um, The Zorba song, of course, would probably be the most famous song in the world. When people think of Greece, they think of Zorba. And then some more recent contemporary music. There's a very successful young man in Greece at the moment called Nikos Vertis, who is in all the the charts in Greece and he's got a great voice and his music's fantastic and there's there's other people on there too so you know have a look if you're not familiar with what some of the more popular Greek songs are then this will help you as I said get a good variety of them across several decades. Now with Greek music usually comes Greek dancing. Now this is something my beautiful husband is actually very good at. He used to be, he hates me saying this, used to be a professional Greek dancer. When he was a young boy he went to Greek school, he learned all the Greek dances and he became the head of a squad that used to tour around Australia and entertain people And there's photos of him in the local newspaper doing the splits in the air and all sorts of things that he used to do. Now, these days, 
he's a lot older and um, not quite as in the you know in the same shape so he he can't do all of those moves anymore but he loves to dance and I love to dance and I'm no great Greek dancer but I can usually hold my own for most dancers I will never get my head around how they understand the minute a song comes on which dance goes with that particular music but he tells me it's a little bit like our nut bush you know they just know they just know from being raised with the music and the dancing and there's certain rhythms and they know from a certain rhythm and a song that that goes with certain steps in certain dances so I can't tell you what those dances are I know that they can vary from um, island to island and regions of Greece have particular dances that they are renowned for. The one that always springs to mind when I'm talking about this is called Zebekio, which is from Crete. It's a really fascinating uh, dance to watch. So again, in my article about things to do in Greece from home, there is a link to an article about the main seven dances that you might want to know about check out the videos really fascinating and and you know do a bit of research into the history of those dances because a lot of them came from stories you know men going to war um, men coming home from war widows um, lamenting their their lovers absence there's a whole bunch of reasons why these dances evolved and why they are still practiced today really fascinating part of Greece and defines it quite differently to many other particularly European countries but other parts of the world as well I mean there's nothing stopping you from practicing these dances at home and then next time you're back in Greece for your holiday you can wow them all at the local taverna with your moves I may have participated once or twice myself and actually look it's a lot of fun the Greeks love it it doesn't really matter if you get the steps wrong I mean I've seen plenty of drunken tourists just fumbling around and really nobody minds but anyway good luck have fun with doing that it's a great way of uh, you know holding on to that Greek culture at home now speaking of those tavernas that leads me to the next way that you can have a little bit of Greece at home and that is by cooking some Greek food. Greek food actually is not difficult to make. It's based around simple recipes, fresh produce. A lot of the recipes were actually developed during tough times when there wasn't an abundance of, um, of produce and goods on hand. People couldn't just pop down to the local supermarket. They literally used what was at hand which is why often it's just you know handfuls of herbs out of the garden whatever fruit or vegetables they were growing nearby and perhaps you know some animals that they may have been raising as well but in actual fact a lot of Greeks don't eat a lot of meat meat these days is quite expensive particularly lamb so they tend to eat it only on special occasions in the islands and the coastal areas of course they have a lot of seafood but generally speaking a lot of dishes are in fact vegetarian so if you are vegetarian and traveling to Greece and you're concerned about what you're going to be able to eat don't worry there is plenty vegan of course is a lot harder there is a heavy reliance on dairy but it's not impossible there are 
uh, plenty of food choices for, for those people. So on my website, I have a section called Food in Greece. And at this stage, I've got uh, about six recipes, I think, that our favourites for a start, but also some of the easier ones to make, such as slow-cooked lamb, uh, spanakopita, which is the beautiful cheese and spinach pie that we love. I've also put in there the horiataki, which is just the Greek salad, but lots of variations on that Greek salad, as you'll see in the recipe. I've got a very easy recipe for yemista. Yemista are the stuffed vegetables, and you can use meat or it can be vegetarian, and you can use a whole variety of vegetables. So I've used in the recipe, I think, tomatoes and uh, capsicums, red peppers, but you can use eggplant or zucchini, gorget, squash, all sorts of things. They're really delicious, easy to make, as is zuzagakya. I've got a recipe on there for that. Big favourite in our family, especially in, in winter. And I'll be putting a couple more recipes on there this week, actually. One for pastizio, the Greek lasagna, and another for bugatsa, which is a custard-filled pastry. I'm a complete sucker for custard. It's often eaten at breakfast time, actually, in different parts of Greece. So we've talked about a lot of activities that you can do at home to give you that Greek experience, but how else can you experience Greece from home without actually travelling there? Well, one thing that's become quite popular during this coronavirus crisis is access to self-guided virtual experiences. So by that, I mean there's a number of tours now available. Some are free, some you may have to pay for, but they're really quite inexpensive, where you can actually go in and explore some of the famous uh, monuments and sites in Greece and experience them for yourself as if you were virtually there. Now, again, there is a link in the article which takes you to one of the sites that I like to use. And these guys have a bunch of self-guided experiences available. You can explore the Acropolis, the ancient Agora in Athens, the Temple of Olympian Zeus. You can go to Delphi. You can explore Mykene. You can walk around the Plaka in Athens. I think there's even one on Knossos Palos in um, Crete, which is where the Minotaur is from. So some really fascinating places to explore. And what happens is once you've purchased the tour, you'll receive an email with a link. And once you're ready to go, you click on the link and you're taken on this tour. It's narrated by an English-speaking tour guide. Each one takes around an hour. And you stop along the way at various things and the narrator explains what those things are. And there's a range of stories. I mean, some of them have, have got as many of, as 50 or 60 stories that you will hear on each tour. So, look, I know it's not the same as being there yourself in person, but it's really, really good. And testament to a lot of these organisations that have been able to come up with these tours, develop them, get them online and get them out there and, and accessible to people because before coronavirus these things were pretty rare. What wasn't rare however was something that I've been trying to do a lot more of but I'm 
probably way behind. And I'm sure a lot of you have had good intentions in this regard as well. But for whatever reason, we just haven't had time to focus on it. Well, no excuses now. We all need to learn some Greek. So I guess most of us manage to grasp a half a dozen so phrases or words when we travel to Greece or anywhere really. But wouldn't it be great if you could just master a lot more than that to actually be able to have conversations with people in Greece in their own language and to understand you know the menus and the signs and all the things that we see around us mind you it is a lot harder to read than it is to say but that's a whole other topic so there's a number of ways that you can learn Greek online I've been using a app and platform called Duolingo it's probably one of the best ones around even what you're able to do for free is pretty significant another one is called Babel it's an excellent translator as well as a language course and I have a link in the article to another article I wrote some time ago called common words and phrases in Greece it's not extensive I mean it's not a huge list there's probably I don't know 20 or 30 common phrases that I have um, written out for you and some tips on how I remember them some of them are silly things but hey it works for me maybe it'll work for you it's always a good idea when you're traveling to a new country to have learnt some of the basic language and there's no better time than right now to get onto this hey by the time we get to Greece again we could all be really fluent at this and have such a you know a more enriched experience because of it so good luck with that I'm happy to check in with you all. In fact, I will. I'll let you know how I'm going. Unfortunately, as I said, I'm, I've slipped behind as I've been working on all these other things, but I do need to pick that up again, and I will. So what does that leave us in terms of experiencing Greece from home? There's one last activity that I think the female followers will particularly like, and that is shopping online for your favorite uh, Greek brands and products. I was actually surprised when I was researching this particular article at how many of the great Greek products and brands you can get at home. There's quite a number shipping internationally now and in particular in that article I have linked back to a couple of online stores that represent Greek brands. So even if they don't have the capacity or the ability themselves to ship internationally, they're doing it through this third-party online e-commerce store, which is fantastic to see. So you can still get your skincare, you can still buy your sandals, you can still get your Greek wine and your olive oil. So there's lots of great information in that article for all of you. So that leads me to the very last thing that you can do from home to help you get your, you know, your Greek fix to help you feel like you're still going to Greece. And that is, without stating the obvious, planning a trip. So just because you can't currently book anything doesn't mean you still can't be doing the research, seeking the inspiration, getting advice, thinking about, you know, drafting out maybe a possible itinerary, looking at different places that you can 
possibly stay and activities that you can do and things that you can see. There's plenty of information about that on Greece Travel Secrets website, including a complete planning guide, free itineraries, lots and lots of information. And of course, the Facebook group has some fabulous members that are always very generous and willing to help out other people. So they always say half the fun of any trip is in the planning. I know it is for me. I think I really enjoy the planning aspect of uh, traveling. So by all means, keep planning and keep dreaming. And most importantly, stay safe. And I look forward to talking to you all again next time.